Hi, welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And we're going to talk about spiritual warfare tonight. And this is our second attempt because I accidentally deleted the last one. So we'll see what happens. We're starting over. We'll see how it goes the second time around. Uh, We're going to talk about spiritual warfare tonight. And it's something that has been coming up in our lives lately. We've been talking about it and thinking about it and... I think it's something that's going on all the time, but sometimes we're just a little more sensitive to it and a little more understanding of it. Although it's something that people don't talk about very much. No, because I think that maybe it just sounds so fantastic that these demons and angels are warring around us and that we are just... And then some people can feel like we're helpless. We're like little minions or something of... Yeah. And and that's not right. Yeah, unfortunately, people look at it like either Harry Potter or the Avengers... It's either it's going on and we're just helpless mooks sitting around watching it, or it's all wizards and warlords and stuff that's not really real. It's just something that was painted in some medieval painting on a church, but it's not the real thing. But we know biblically that spiritual warfare exists. If we deny that it exists, how can we fight in the battle? Yeah, and I think if you deny it exists, you give the enemy more power. Of course. Because then you're not looking for it, and you go, no, that's not what it is. And maybe you try to fight it in yourself or you blame people because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against unseen principalities. Lords of the air. Yeah, that's that's what it is. If we we don't accept that it is a battle, then we're not on a side. Oh, that's right. Then we're not picking a side. And if, if the enemy is the enemy and only the enemy, then we have to recognize him as such and deal with him as such. Right. Otherwise, if we invite the enemy into our homes, why would we be surprised if he robs us blind while we're there? That's true. I mean, we have to be able to acknowledge the fact that Satan is alive in this world, and this is his world, this is where he lives, and he is actively trying to do something against us. Because we are so loved by God. He can't get to God, but he can do some damage to his own children. And that's something we have to always remember is that um, the outcome of the war is not at question here. Mm-hmm. Satan will never defeat God. He cannot, and he knows he cannot. He is cast out. He knows he can't beat the man. But he's going to fight to his last, to the very end. You go through Revelations and you see he fights to the very end. Mm-hmm. Not to win God, but to hurt God. And he hurts him by hurting those that he loves and hurting our witness. And people are lost because of a loss of witness. People Mm -hmm. are lost because of a loss of power. And if we give that away, we're giving him a battle. There's a difference between a battle and a war. Our battles are part of the war. Right. But we are not the war. Right. John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And in Luke 10.19, Jesus says, I've given you authority to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. So obviously there's an enemy. Jesus said there was. And I just wanted to share a few things that, uh, that I wrote down. Because I think one of the things, it takes us off guard because we're not thinking about it. And... You don't even know what's happening 
you don't know what's going on until you suddenly go, whoa, wait a second, this must be spiritual warfare. And I think that's where, when we, we're not aware of it, that's where it can take us off guard. And then it feels so personal. It's like all of a sudden someone in your life will like attack you in a weird way. and Or things can suddenly start going wrong. Uh, Jane and I have been talking about this lately um, with some of the things that have been happening with us. Uh, I bought a, a used pickup this last fall, and it went down. I thought it was it's a diesel. I thought it was gelled up. It wasn't. It needed a new injector. All sorts of problems. Several weeks it was down. Um, we didn't have the money to fix it, of course, so I ended up, through help from many, many wonderful people, fixing it myself. But And then while that went down, then our Suburban went down. And it's still down. And that went down. And then all we have left is our old Buick, and our old Buick was having engine problems. So all these things are going on at once. And then just as I got the pickup running again, I pulled the handle off the shower, broke the valve in the shower. We didn't have a shower for a week. Um, And went through all sorts of things trying to fix that, too. It was just, it was a, looking back on it, you could almost laugh at the comedy of of how, tragic these things were happening over and over again and they all started about the time we started doing these podcasts um the, about the time we started stepping out one more time a little farther than we had been already in our church we're stepping out a little bit farther and then all these things happened to us and that's uh i strongly believe that that's that was spiritual warfare it still is mm-hmm Something to try and shut down your witness. Well, that would do it. Right. And it, there have been times when we do this podcast, and I'm tired, and I don't want to. And I'm frustrated, and I don't want to. And Jane's, Jane is my rock. She always brings me back around to it. And every time we finish, we know that we've done God's will, and we we know that God has God's in our place. So the spiritual warfare that we're fighting, that we're going up against, is something that um, can be as as uh easy it would be just as easy for satan to uh knock an injector out of my pickup as it is for him to do anything else so why would i be surprised no matter what it is that's going on i'm not saying that every time you stub your toe satan push something out in front of you in the dark but what i'm saying is that there are times when that might be what it is because he's going to feed into our frustration Mm, frustration fear contentment fear um Right. Let me talk about that discontentment because I have realized that contentment is a great spiritual feat. Mm -hmm. If we are content and we are uh, actively noticing all the blessings in our lives and we're just thankful for where we're at, no matter if there's lots of problems or because there will be problems, there's problems in everybody's life. Everybody deals with tragedy. Everybody deals with a lot of hard stuff, but we can still be content in it. But when we... Choose to be discontent, and sometimes I think we, we, we really choose to be discontent because we just don't have what we want, and we might have a lot of good stuff, but no, that's not what I wanted. God, I wanted this instead. Well, we we let the enemy get a foothold in our lives with discontentment, and that's where that discontentment. I love I love the fact that we're talking about it right now, just because uh, the verse I pulled the verse up from Philippians. Um, Verses uh, eleven through th- Philippians four eleven through thirteen. Everybody knows what Philippians four thirteen. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, but in context, Paul says, I'm not saying this, this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Mm. His contentment comes from God's strength, not from his circumstances. And I can do all this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, is used, um, I think, out of context a lot. Because what it is, is I can be content in everything because God gives me the strength when I don't have it, is what it's, right. is, is the context. So, yeah, and Satan loves to attack that. He yeah. loves to attack our our contentment. He loves to, to attack our peace. And our peace in God is something that is really uh, easy for him to attack. It can be very fragile if we're not... Mm. If we're not walking with God and spending time with God and in his word, it's easy for that peace to be fragile. And it's easy for us as humans to lose our peace. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, Romans 8, 7, 8. Mm-hmm. I think that goes along with it. But I'm thinking, I'm not saying advertisers are working for Satan or whatever. But that's all advertising is trying to do. Most of it is trying to get us discontent so we'll buy something new. Mm-hmm. You know, you need this and you'll be happy or whatever. Um, I want to read, this is, uh, the armor of God mm-hmm. passage right. in Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6 yeah. and this is from the message. So it's a little bit different. It doesn't actually say the armor of God, but it's talking about, I'll just read it. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, But the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. That was... Ephesians six thirteen through 18. But I like that, how you have to apply those terms. They're right. Just... And you're t- you, the traditional readings that you would see on Ephesians 6 are going to talk about um, the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. and uh, Shield of faith. That's shield of faith, the sword, the sword of the Spirit, all of those things. And that's the... Peterson translation there in the message is talking about the same things, but he was he's doing for a more modern audience where um, when Paul is talking here, he's talking to people that know what a Roman soldier looks like and the weapons right. and the weapons and the armor that they carry, and that I love that concept um, of that armor. I do love the concept of yeah. the armor, and one of the things I really like about that fits right in with our spiritual warfare here, and we are not meant to be defensive about spiritual warfare we're meant to be offensive Mm. the armor is there to protect us while we're attacking not while we're running Mm. away the shield doesn't help you when you're running away oh that's true it only helps when you're using it to the front let me read it in here this is the new american standard version in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one so So that means you have to be moving it well right it has to be in front of you and that also, again, reaffirms 
the spiritual warfare. True. The deflaming missiles of the evil one. Now, I have never had a flaming arrow shot at me. I would imagine that would be a terrifying thing. But I don't think Paul's talking about actual physical arrows. He's talking about something else here. He's talking about the spiritual warfare. And that shield is something that, like I said, a shields only work if you if you if you're moving forward. If you're running away, the shield is not protecting you at all. So the intent is to move forward. Hmm. You should be moving forward with that shield. And we are armed with the sword, with the sword of the spirit. We are meant to be using the word of God actively. And this is not a purely defensive battle. This is something we're supposed to be taking it to taking it to them. Did we already talk about Jesus using the word against Satan? Or is that the last one? I don't remember to say it again. Well, okay. Just in case. We might have been <laughs> I, we just messed that, up. Yeah, that I messed up. Jesus himself used the word of God to, to, to uh, ward off Satan's attacks. G, uh, Satan said, aren't you hungry? You know, turn these rocks into stone, or rocks into bread. And Jesus says, uh, Thou shalt not, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then the next instance, Satan uses wor- the word yes. against Jesus, but he's using it, he twists the word. So Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, in Matthew 4. Um, Satan says, For you, if the Son of God throw yourselves down, he took him from the highest point of the temple, and says, For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, they will lift you up uh, with their hands so that, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus, Jesus answered him, It is also written, mm-hmm. Do not put the Lord your God to, to the test. So Satan was trying to take the word of God as a weapon, which, wow, shocker. Like that hasn't happened before. Selectively pull something out and use it as a temptation. And Jesus, who knew the full word, said, yeah, but it also says, right. don't do this. So all these things that are happening, um, all, of, all of Jesus' answers to Satan that time were, for it is written, for it is written. Away from me, Satan, for it is written. So... Using that offensive weapon, using the sword, using the Spirit of God, using His Word is so powerful and so necessary. But I want to just, I want to take that just a touch farther on that okay. Ephesians. Um, I want to go into uh, 6.18. Okay. And it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray for me also when I speak, words, that words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So he, Paul is talking here, and he says, pray for me. Pray for everyone. All sorts of requests. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We are meant to be an army. Mm, mm-hmm. We are not meant to be Rambo out there doing this by ourselves. We are meant to be an army. If you feel spiritual warfare coming against you, Share that with someone who will be a prayer warrior with you and pray with you. Mm-hmm. Reach out. We are meant to be a community of believers in this war. So we have to be supporting each other. The Bible tells us frequently that we should be praying for our leaders, praying for political leaders, praying for our uh, pastors, for the, the leaders in our church. We also are meant to pray for each other. We should be constantly praying for each other, specifically for this purpose. Because our time, from the moment you are saved until the moment you are standing in heaven, is precious to God. Now, your salvation may not be lost, but your witness may be lost. 
That's true. There are things that can be lost in between, and that's what Satan's after. He can't steal your salvation, but he can steal your witness. He can take you take you off the path of God. He can take you away from what you should be doing. So, why would he bother if it wasn't important? Well, that's true. And if it's important enough for him to fight against it, then it certainly ought to be important enough for us to fight for it. Because the victory that we have, even in this life, on a day-to-day basis, by drawing closer to God and spending more time in the Spirit and more time in the Word and winning that battle against Satan, that is precious. There's, uh, These are from Billy Graham. I wanted to share, too. He had... There's a post um, that says Truths About Spiritual Warfare by Billy Graham. And there's two of these points I wanted to share. His second point was, if you were, well, not that one. Well, that's, I'll finish that, but that's, if you're a Christian, you are engaged in a warfare. It's, it's just, you are. I mean, that's just, that's mm-hmm. it. Every thought a Christian has should be in obedience to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every thought. That's amazing. I mean, so if you're in your head thinking, negative thoughts about someone, that's probably not what you're supposed to be thinking. And the devil will use our own flesh against us. Well, our flesh is already against us, but against the spirit. So uh, I think our flesh is worse than anything. But our thoughts can harm us or help us. And the the one I want to share is double-mindedness or indecisiveness is used by the enemy. James 1, 5 through 8 says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all people generously and without reproach, and will be given to him or her. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect he'll receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And that reminds me of Jesus says he doesn't want us to be lukewarm or he'll vomit us out of his mouth. Well, and in can't Luke sit 8, on the, in the fence. The parable of the sower. We know that that parable so well. We we've heard it so many times in sermons and other places. Um, but in Luke eight eleven and twelve says, uh, when Jesus is explaining it, he says, "Now the parable is this: the seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, mm. so that they will not believe and be saved." Satan is working against him. He knows that. He talks about that with his with his disciples. You can't deny that Satan is active because Jesus talks about it on a regular basis. So when we talk about these things and 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 the power that he has, his power, Satan's power, is not to steal our salvation. That's not what he can do. But what he can do is lay into what our mind already has. Right. The sin that is that is natural in all of us, temptation, uh, sins worry, of the flesh, worry, worry, fear, anger. Um, Anything that's really human in, a, in the bad way, Satan will distort it. He's a, he is the father of lies. Yep. He manipulates. He tries to lead us down into holes. He, he'll do anything. He doesn't care. He has no scruples. He just wants to get back at God, so whatever he can do to us, he'll do it. But it does say that he's a roaring lion. It never says he bites. He just scares you. And it's just like a haunted house when you know it's the the PTA ladies who made the haunted house, but you go through it and you're scared to death. And you, if you think about it, 
it's all, you know, smoke and mirrors, as they say. Well, true, really, because we know this home is not our world. We're meant to be in it, but not of it. And we know that in the end, our destination is heaven, and so death is not a curse. Right. And yet the fear of death is something he will use against us. Um, this goes back all the way to the beginning. We, um, I'm going to Genesis 4 here. Okay. Um, God talks to Cain after Abel and Cain bring their sacrifices, and God says Cain's is not acceptable. Cain gets very angry and says his face was downcast. And then in, in uh, Genesis 4, 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Why, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Unfortunately, Cain loses that battle and goes out and kills his brother almost immediately. But that concept that God says, You know what's right and wrong. We know what's right and wrong. That is in us. But Satan is good at putting a polish on the apple. He's mm. the one that wants to go out there and get you to say, well, it's really not that big a deal. It's really not a true sin, or it's a little sin, or it's a white lie. And all these little things that he can say to twist us into surrendering something to him. Yeah. that belongs to God. In the end, that's what it is. We surrender something to him that belongs to God, and all he's trying to do is trick us into doing it. Now, one of his tactics is distraction. And on this net, he writes, Satan lays the trap, baiting it just for you, and you run to the bait because you see something you desire that's when the trap falls. He's going to offer you the things you already want, and he'll do it with subtlety. And I do remember on this website, too, he talked about how the enemy is patient. Mm. And he can lay a trap for you. It might not spring for a year or two, but he, he's he been around for a long, long, long time. So he, He's been around from the beginning. Yeah, so, I mean, if... if if he sees something that might make you fall, or a person, or a activity, well, he- one of the one of the early books that you shared with me that I really, really enjoyed. I enjoyed it so much that I gave it to a young man who was troubled at the time. Um, when I was a deputy, I was hauling him to jail. I gave him the book. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's called The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, and it's letters back and forth between Satan and a demon. Or between Uncle between, Screwtape and well, another demon. Between a supervising demon and an underling demon, yeah. I guess you want to call it. About one specific person this demon was assigned to. And I remember distinctly when he said, why don't you make sure everything goes well for him? Mm. Make it good. Make sure he doesn't have anything to worry about. Make it comfortable. And I think that's one of Satan's uh, most insidious things, is he wants us to get it to the point where we think we got it all taking care of ourselves Mm -hmm. we can handle it i've got enough money i've got enough prestige i've got enough power in my life i've got everything i need i don't need god Mm. think about that concept that concept that that warfare could include comfort oh that's true that he could include making things easier to mm-hmm. make you walk away from God. 
Yeah. And as Americans, that's very tempting to us. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's that's one of our main problems in America. We have it so easy. Even when we have it hard, we have it so easy well, compared to everybody else. We have that dichotomy of the fact that we have it much easier than many people in the world, yes. And we also have this concept as Americans that we're, we should pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And we're <sighs> self-made men and all these things when... Nothing can be farther from the truth. We're all God-made men. That's God made us in his own image from the very beginning. I want to uh, want to add one more thing here. Okay. Um, I talked about how this needs to be offensive. We also need to make sure we understand this is not a fear thing. Right. We are not meant to fear Satan because we belong to God. The Bible says our God is a jealous God and he is not willing to let anyone slip through his fingers. We are protected by him. The time when we are not is when we walk away from him and we, we don't use what God gives us, and that is his word and his power. And we are not meant to do this alone. Everything comes, we are covered by the power of God. I can't handle this alone. But, but God him, can. Right. And it's either fear or faith. Exactly. We can't have both. Exactly. And if the enemy can get us to be fearful, there's no way we can have faith. I mean, we can't be fearing and having faith. you got to choose one or the other. It's one or the other. And the enemy wants you to choose fear. I mean, that'll just mess you up. You can't have faith when you have fear. No, because God, God reigns. Yeah. God reigns over Satan. He has control over him. He can't do anything. Even in the, the uh, earliest book ever written in the Bible, Job, a perfect example of spiritual warfare, Satan went to the devil and... and God's, no, no, Satan went to God. Satan went to God. Satan went to the devil. It's getting late. He does on a regular <laughs> basis. Satan went to God and said, you know, oh, well, if you weren't didn't have your hand on Job, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be such a strong believer. And God said, go ahead and try it, and he, I'll take my hand off. We know those things. You know, it, it talks about that in Job, and that was one of those times where, yes, God took his hand off, but God put it back on. Mm-hmm. Satan couldn't control God. Right. He had to wheedle it out of God, and God said, I will show you what a true believer is like in my in my son Job. I will show you what a true believer is like. But Satan couldn't force the issue. God's in control. Right. And if we serve the guy that's in control, why does the guy that is being controlled by him threaten us? Right. It should not be that way. We don't need to be afraid of him. No. It's, this is not a fear thing. No. So, well... There are several examples in the Bible of, of some of this spiritual warfare being revealed. Um, one was with Elijah. Right. No, it was Elisha. Elisha. Elisha was uh, going to be attacked. All this army came around him, and his servants said, Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elijah prayed, let, let the soldiers' eyes be open to see what's really around them. And the horses and the chariots of God surround them, and they panicked. No, no, no. The, the close. The the sir he said open the eyes of my servant so oh. he can see all, right. all who's around us and 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 so then the servant you know wasn't he was like oh we're mm-hmm. on the winning side but anyway there's all sorts of but th- the main thing to know is be alert and and don't forget about spiritual warfare because it's it's always here and it's when we're not alert and when we're falling asleep that we can be caught off guard. And I want to I end here, maybe. We're getting close to the end here. I want to talk 
on the very end about what Jesus said about it himself. Okay, go ahead. And this is in John 17 when Jesus is praying for his disciples. Okay. At the very end of his life. Um, he comes, it has his prayer in here, uh, John 17, starting in verse 6. It talks about that. And he says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. For they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the doomed one to destruction, so the scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Hmm. Sanctify them by the, by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me in the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. And then he goes on in verse 20 and says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be as one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And, and in the end he says, Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you love me through the creation of the world. Jesus himself at the end of his life, was saying, Father, protect them from the evil one, the same way you protected me, through your word. You gave me your word. I shared my word, your word with them. Just as you and I are one, let them be one. And he even goes on to say, Jesus here is praying for those who will believe in me through their message. Folks, that's you and me. Mm-hmm. That's us. Mm-hmm. Jesus prayed to God before he died for us and said, protect them. I pray for them that they may be one so that we would be together in this battle, in this fight, in this journey where we go from earth to heaven. Jesus prayed, let them be one and protect them because I'm not going to be here right now, but you will be. And I know you've got this. He handed it off and said, you're it. Here, here they are. Protect them, Lord. So God's still answering that prayer? God is still at work. We serve a risen Savior. He is still intervening for us. He is still our intercessor. And he is still alive and kicking. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you got something out of it. We'll see you next week. God bless.